0: Hi, I'm the Ish Girl, and you're listening to episode 104 of In the Middle of It, the podcast where parents and teachers can find ideas, strategies, and resources for connecting with teens. Hey there, I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and I am so glad that you're with me today. It has been quite a week. As a former eighth grade civics teacher, my heart has been so happy to see so many people engaged in the democratic process. That's exactly what I taught. I, um, I talked to kids about how our government was formed in the United States, and we talked a lot about our responsibilities as citizens, and voting is at the very top of that list. So I even saw figures today on the Washington Post and here's the quote that I saw um, in one of their articles. It just says, the latest figures based on 2020 votes counted and and additional known early votes. So all the votes that have been counted so far and all of the early votes that are known, all those put together stand only a few percentage points away from breaking a 60-year old record set in 1960. So I think that that is just crazy amazing and fabulous and as conscientious as the election has been and and it has been I'm going to talk, talk about that in a second. I the one thing that is hopeful to me is that so many people are participating in the process. Okay. So, having said that, I don't know about you guys, but it's been a stressful week. If I never ever saw another political ad ever ever again, it might be a little too soon. Right? I'm super grateful that those are off the air now because they just stressed me out. And now, I think we're all waiting on pins and needles to see what's going to happen next and I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I've had a constant (laughs) adrenaline buzz, not just this week. I think it's been a while with, with all the things that are going on. And that's what I'm talking to you guys about today is that stress that we all have, because this has been the year of what I like to call a thousand paper cuts. It's not any one thing. It's all the thousands of things that are kind of cutting into us and stressing us out. Because not only do we have the normal stressors of our lives, like our jobs and our families and our other responsibilities, we're also dealing with COVID and social justice issues and it being, you know, the presidential election year. So I just wanted to take a minute to talk specifically to you teachers out there because you guys have been impacted by all of the above in ways that I feel like those of us who are not currently in the classroom teaching have not. And I'm curious and Truthfully, I was about to ask if you're stressed, but hello, what a ridiculous question. Of course you are stressed. So instead, I wanna ask you guys this. What are the stresses that you are facing in your classroom right now? Now, it's no secret that teacher stress is at an epidemic level. And research shows that most teachers place student behaviors, performance assessment, and time management at the very top of their list of stressors. And there's an article that I have on that that I'm gonna link to in the show notes. And you can find those at theishgirl.com, EP 104. Anyway, those are the top three stressors. So. Let's start backwards and and move our way to the front of the list. So time management, that's getting all the things done in the amount of time that you have, which I know is stressful for teachers right now because you're doing so much more than you would normally do because not only are you prepping all your normal lesson stuff, but you've got all the tech and the organization that you have to put together for virtual learning as well. So really, and I've said this before two jobs, you're doing two jobs. Um, also performance assessment, I would consider that to be just the the way that your students are doing on tests and, and how they're falling out and they're learning and all the different ways that that can be assessed in addition to your performance as a teacher. And again, super stressful. When I was teaching, just to give you an idea of the level of stress, my first year of teaching, pretty much at least once or twice a week, I would have this nightmare that I was being assessed, like I was being observed by my own high school principal as I taught in my classroom, and um, Mr. Shelton, if you're out there, yeah, you scared, you just, it was scary, it was so scary, so Anywho, and then let's land on student behaviors because I would say that's probably, if not at the very top of the list for most people, again, it's gonna fall on that top three. And, and I wanna tackle that with you guys today. So if you've ever found yourself wishing that your students would behave so that you can do your job, this episode is for you, okay? So stressors, just so that we're on the same page, are things that cause stress. And um, the other word that I'll use to talk about them in in this episode is the word stimuli. And so if you think about it this way, negative behaviors can be a stimulus that causes you stress, right? So it's the thing that's causing you stress. And I want to share this quote with you. This is one of my favorite guys reading his stuff. Viktor Frankl is quoted as saying, between stimulus and response, there is a space And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And oh my word, let's just say that again. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And you guys know we've talked about this before. You can choose to either go with your whole fight, flight or freeze knee jerk reaction Or you can be intentional about calming yourself down, taking a breath, and then choosing a response that's more helpful. And while you may not feel like you have a choice in the moment when you're experiencing the conflict of of dealing with a student's negative behavior, you do have a choice. And you do have the option to grow and to say something helpful and Um, And that's what I really, really want you guys to to grasp and understand today is that it is super important for you to be able to do that if you want to connect well with your teens. And why is that important? So first of all, for your own emotional well-being, because stress can have a tremendous impact on you, obviously mentally, but also physically. I know this firsthand if you have been listening for a while, then you know the story that I'm about to share. If you're new, I would say hop back to episode 98 because I, I tell the whole thing. But there was a point several years ago where I was so stressed out that I ended up in the hospital thinking that I was having a heart attack and it was, it was not fun. Totally grateful that it wasn't a heart attack, but the whole experience was really sobering and really made me take stock and and realized that I needed to be handling my stress in a different way. Okay. So again, if you want to, if you want to check that out, you can go to theishgirl.com forward slash EP98. So that was the first thing. You really want to choose growth and freedom when you are dealing with negative student behavior for your own well being, but also for your students' well-being, and not just their well-being. Here's what I found really interesting. Also for their performance. Educational experts believe, and there's an article that I have linked in my show notes to this, that your stress can even impact your students' performance. And if you really think about it, there's this whole vicious cycle, catch-22 thing going on, where if you, when you get stressed by negative student behavior, then that's going to affect your engagement level and your engagement energy. You might withdraw. You might lash out, whatever it is, it's, it might affect your engagement. And when your engagement is affected, your student's engagement is affected. And what that looks like sometimes, if their engagement is disrupted, then that can lead to their negative behavior. And there you are right back in, at the beginning of the circle. So their negative behavior, your stress, your stress decreases their engagement, changes and disrupts that engagement. And then that affects their behavior. And so it just keeps going on and on and on. And truly, this is why, again, going back to episode 98, but also episodes 96 and 97 and 99. So all four of those episodes, the reasons that I had my good friend Kelly Abernathy on the show, sharing her Zoom Buster strategies was in order to share strategies so, that teachers could adopt them and use them to lower stress, not just face to face in your classroom, but, but very particularly um, with students who are doing their learning virtually. So, as you all know, that can be quite stressful because you're in this environment that might not be ideal for learning. And so, you should re- check those out because they're a really good resource to help kind of refocus and recenter students and re engage them. Okay. Now, some of the research that I read described teacher work stress as, and I'm going to read this carefully now because I don't want to mess it up because it's very technical and then we'll break it down afterwards, okay. So some of the research I read described teacher work stress as negative emotional experience being triggered by the teacher's perception that their work situation constituted a threat to their self-esteem or well-being and in this understanding a student's problem behavior represents a stimulus from the environment that is not stressful per se for teachers however it becomes a stressor if teachers perceive it as causing discrepancy between a demand and their ability to cope with the demand. So to put it simply in other words student behavior isn't the stress so it's not the actual behavior that's the stress what is the stress is you as the teacher feeling like you are having trouble dealing with that behavior and working with that student in a way that resolves the issue resolves the behavior and brings them back in into learning and reengages them in the learning and so when you feel like you're struggling to do that that's that friction point. That's where the stress is. So the stress comes from wondering about your ability to really cope with or manage the student. But here's the thing, even that word in the, in the sense of a classroom sounds very, um, to me there's an inherent bit of condescending energy in that when you're talking about managing someone. Now you manage your classroom, there's that. But if you've ever been managed by someone in a situation outside of, say, like a work situation, like, you know, we all have had managers and things like that. But I'm talking about being kind of corralled and managed by a person. It doesn't feel good. And our kids, our teens, it doesn't feel good for them either. So no one wants to be managed. And if we want to be mentors, not just teachers, but mentors to our teens, then we have to lead them, not manage them. And there's a huge difference there. I think we could all agree. There is a very much a difference between someone who is a leader and an excellent leader and someone who is managing you. And I'm, I'm just going to say, let's stop for a second. I want to give you a couple seconds. Think about a teacher or a coach maybe that you've had in the past when you were a teen who was truly a leader and think about the impact that that person made On your life. I can think of several. I can think of Mrs. Rayo and Madame Gaston, and um, I'll go back to that principal that I talked about, Mr. Shelton. Those were all educators that I would say for me were leaders. They were not just managers. And I could probably name some just managers as well. I'm not going to do that, but you know that difference. And as a teen, I would say you even knew that difference. So again, you don't want to manage your teens, your students, you want to lead them. And in fact, um, Rear Admiral Grace Murray Hopper said, you manage things, you lead people. And I love that. You manage things, you lead people. And so in that, you kind of get the sense that if you're, if someone is managing others, if you feel like you're being managed, there's this element of of being objectified, really, of being treated like an object or a thing rather than treated like a human being. Teens need us, the adults in their lives, to, and adults, I'm going to say that in plural, they need us to be their mentors. And that is my mission within the middle of it, is to help parents and teachers transform from being just teachers and just parents, and not that there's any just about it, but i think you know my heart on this but to transform into being mentors who connect with and understand and advocate for and affirm the teens in our lives so you might just find that changing your behavior as you step into that space of growth with the between the stimulus and your response so when you step into that and lean into that and lean into growing what you might find Is that your students behavior changes too. So I would be super interested to hear if that happens with you. If you are able to change your response, how does that affect your students behavior and even their progress in your classroom? If you need help with that, I am putting together a workshop to help you transcend teaching to become a meaningful mentor. And if you want to join the waitlist, you can do that. I would love for you to jump online and you can go to theishgirl.com forward slash workshop waitlist and you can sign up for um, information about that there. So. As I roll it out, I will, I'll give you more information and we can, um, if you have questions, you can email me with that. You can Facebook me, like DM me or or whatever there. And I will put a link to that wait list in, in the notes, as well as if you are, um, if you're part of the, in the middle of it, Facebook group, I'll put it over there as well. So, um, you can watch for it there. So next week, kind of continuing this line of thought, we're going to talk about the things that might be causing chaos in your classroom other than student behavior. So we really nailed that down this week and talked about how student behavior can cause stress, but I also think that chaos can cause stress as well. I know for me, my chaos around me is managed <laughs> to the best of my ability and I think I actually do have a higher threshold for tolerance than say um, my husband or even a couple, one of my kids. (laughs) So anyway, so I would love for you to join me next week when we're talking about the things that cause you chaos and what that might look like in your classroom and some options that you have. Okay. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today. Truly, I cannot express to you guys how grateful and appreciative I am that you are sharing your time with me. It is a huge deal right now because that's the one resource that we can't replenish. So it means a lot to me that you are here. I would love to hear from you guys. So again, you can respond to any of my weekly emails that I send out. I I look through all of those and respond personally. And I also often check my social media. Okay, from an ish girl who has been extra vigilant about doing yoga and journaling during this very stressful week, I am so grateful to be in the middle of it together.